You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. We've got the kiln fired up. We've got the furnace prepped. We're about to unsheath the laser fire of Tyra. Yes, Rizcha de Raisa is coming your way. But first, if you own a retail business and accept credit cards, your customers are getting points, miles, and all sorts of rewards every time they use their card. And you're paying the price. That's why NRS Pay, a product of National Retail Solutions, a division of the IDT Corporation, offers its cash discount program, FeeBuster. You can start accepting credit cards for free. If your business processes over $18,000 a month, you pay no monthly fee and $0 out of your pocket for transaction. This means you, as a retailer, can enjoy the benefits of accepting plastic and your customers still get those crucial miles they crave and need. NRS Pay FeeBuster provides every client with a free credit card reader with no long-term contract, no early termination fee, cancel anytime without a penalty. I'm personally familiar with this company and they truly stand by their product and they'll help you with live stateside-based customer service on any issue or question. Visit nrspay.com or call 833-289-2767 to learn more about NRS Pay and the fantastically fair fee buster. If it's Erev Shabbos Kedish, after Plaga Mincha almost, this must be a Rizchal Daraisa, yes. We won't miss an Erev Shabbos. I'm here with Rabbi Gavriel Bechafer. I'm not here. Rabbi Yisif Gavriel is actually in Detroit. He's joining me through the powerful magic of his telephone. Even telephone is probably very, makes me sound like a dinosaur, doesn't it? Nobody says telephone anymore, though, do they? Probably not. You know, this week, Rabbi Yisif, I've already talked about it on one of my other platforms, the obsession over the four adventurers. And I guess let's talk about the pilot himself being an adventurer, creator and developer of the uh, Titan submersible that, although it, it seemed that there was sort of a sense that maybe they can be saved and from four or five different countries, the most sophisticated uh, machinery was being sent. The, the, the incredible expense was, was it, it probably has to, going to take a while to even fathom how, much, how many man hours were used in what was clearly a fruitless uh, search. I think it was pronounced today that these, the Navy has these secret type of locators in the bottom of the ocean which can tell if enemy subs are coming. And they already sensed Sunday, within hours of the... That uh, imploded. That it already had imploded. So, Mistam, if we would talk in Lumnisha terms, it was probably already <laughs> at least a, a stark sad that it was, was Raglayim Ladover, that they weren't going to be alive. And yet, the amount of energy involvement... And let's say also the, the putting other people into Sakana. Even though we know the, the question is, do you put yourself into Suffolk Sakana to be Matzil, someone from Vadai Sakana? Here, L'chaira, the Choshes, since you know, were, were very, very tiny that they were alive. And the North Sea there in that area is, is a quite dangerous place, even in June. Ah, okay. It wasn't that they didn't send people down. They sent ROVs down. Uh, so there were also I, people. There were also people that demand them and have to place them. But still, it's it's really incredible. And and and, and clearly, look, uh, many people have pointed out even before 
I am pointing it out here to our listeners on RISPA, that just a couple of days previous, that had refugees that were coming into Europe, and there was very little attempt to try to save them. Uh, nothing even comparable at all uh, to the all 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 hands on deck. We're going to bring the super robot from France. We're going to do whatever we can. It's coming. Um, okay, the, you know, the answer to all this is partial. I'm going to tell you that once when I was teaching still in MTA, I, I was stu- stuck in the George Washington Bridge for like an hour. I don't remember how much it was. Nothing with Miss Shachris. And uh, that's because it was a jumper. And there was a person who was one of suicide for, of the George Washington Bridge. So the same question applies there. And I, there were millions of people, I don't know, millions, but a decent amount of people. It could be even hundreds of thousands, certainly tens of thousands. And, and thousands of work hours that were, right. that were canceled because, right. because they wanted to talk this one person off of the ledge. But they do, but that's what they do. And the same thing that will happen is with Anne Frank, right? Anne Frank was one girl. And they focus on her. Why is that? Because human beings cannot grasp large numbers. Six million is not a meaningful number. If there are six million jumpers, it wouldn't be a meaningful number. Human beings cannot deal with that kind of level of massivity in tragedies. Human beings deal with individuals with tragedies. So therefore, yes, it's natural from the human perspective that the tragedy of one person captures the mind much more than the tragedy of the masses. You know, it, capturing the mind, Rabbi Yisif, is understandable. And I agree with you. It's a, it's a good psychological insight. It's because we are sort of scared of the enormity of the alternative that we try to actually connect to the more literary individual story that we can understand and relate in our mind. But that that should also be the trigger for governments to do that as well. That the governments have did everything in their power to send the most sophisticated ships, the best Navy SEALs, the the highest ranked Canadian officers, the, the, the jet pilots who could do the best work that they could. This is the government in action, and we know, as others have pointed out before me, that there's going to be consequences. The Ocean Gate is not going to pay back all those governments. Ocean Gate is right is not going to have to pay a, a bill to France and to Canada and to the U.S. That bill, that expenditure, will be paid by you and me. In our day and age, the um, human being has a a drive to travel, a drive to travel, and a drive to explore. And most human beings fulfill that in the material world. In Tyra, we fulfill it by our learning in depth. And it's not just Bikhti that we call talk about the Yam, Yama, Yama Talmud, right? And being shot in the Yam, that we're going at, uh, in, uh, in order to uh, learn Tyra. So uh, for the people who are Navy SEALs and other people, they are kindred spirits. And they want to know that if they're ever in such a situation, they're going to come after them. That's one. And that's why. But there's another thing here, which is the uh, society. And I'm not necessarily saying I would do this, but I can understand it. Society places a value on the adventurers and the people who go out and try cutting edge technology. Because otherwise, we never get anywhere. We know from the Apollo mission, right? The Apollo mission. So so there's an obvious difference between you know, uh, uh, the the Apollo 11 that was in danger. And even, of course, the moon mission. 
there, of course, these adventurers represented humanity. And even if you want to say it's about the first person to to get to Everest, to the top of Mount Everest, or Amelia Earhart, who is the first uh, aviator to fly around the world, or Lindbergh, you know, these, in a way... Wait, wait, Amelia Earhart was the uh, ocean gate of her day. So was Lindbergh, the ocean gate of his day. This is reckless new technology, and they they decided they're going to try it. So again, I, what what I would say is, and, and one could of course talk about, you know, you know the benefits and, and lack of benefit of going into going to the the lunar missions. But at least, as we know, there have already been a number of submersive visits. These four people who paid a quarter million dollars, right? <laughs> Amelia Earhart didn't pay this money. She wanted to achieve this record. Uh, and, and again, I don't know how much paid. I want to tell you. But the, uh, I just saw a statistic last last week that what a thousand dollars buys today in 1970, 103 dollars would buy. So uh, maybe it's 150. The 250 is more like 25,000. Right, like 25,000 back then, maybe even less. So I don't right. know. You, Amelia Earhart obviously has sponsors as well. Again, I'm not saying for you and I. This is not something we would do because this is something which uh, we were supposed to find our seabook and our adventure and our risk of the race. You're right. right. We, we, we have to make, again, this society's fascination with whether it's Admiral Byrd getting to the South Pole or whoever it is that was able to climb Everest for the first time. This is a trip that is supposed to give you thrills and eye-opening experiences. It wasn't meant to to be the first one to find the Marinus Trench or the first one, because you're right, there might be, as we are instructed by God, Redu there might be things in the Medrash says that Audemarishon was already indicated where human beings would tread. Audemarishon was given sort of the map and he sort of decreed from his uh, prim- primordial throne <laughs> where human beings would be and, and where they would ever show up. And yes, so maybe there is something about we are everywhere and we've made it and there's a full United States flag on the moon N- now. Okay. But here you are talking about, I wouldn't call them explorers. I would call them extremely wealthy people who are able to do something the rest of us cannot. Okay, the Everest people also are extremely wealthy people. They're, you know, that's, they're not the Hamoyna going up the top of Everest. Certainly not today for, as well. Right. And you're right. The climbers today of Everest are not the original ones. There is a, there is a whole industry that Ocean Gate and, and the others are part of, which is let's go into space. Let's send William Shatner into space. Let's let's go and go up there for fifteen minutes. Let's 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 involve ourselves in exciting, incredible experiences that you could tell your children about. You'll spend all this money. By the way, I just want to say parenthetically, Ocean Gate and others like them say that the huge amounts they charge is in order to perfect the technology even further. That the large amounts that they charge is all a way to put back into the company. Right. And they also have said, I think Stockton Rush, the person who died uh, going down there, said that part of the problem in submersibles up until his company was that there was too much regulation, that there was too much government regulation on submarines. And because of that, they weren't able to discover the real undiscovered territory, uh, which is the ocean floor in, in, in ways. And, and I would say, again, uh, I, I'm a believer that there are probably secrets 
that you could probably discover there. And there's probably things we can learn from the flora, the fauna, and the fish life that are down there that will probably be beneficial for human beings in the future. It isn't just the excitement of going someplace you've never been. But going to see the wreck of the Titanic is, I think, different. Let's segue a little bit to what I think is related to this. And you're a little bit more into this than I am. The summer excitement experience, uh, which, again, what these four never did because of the of what their uh, their funds allowed them to do and their connections allowed them to do, we know as the summer camps begin, there will be a number of sort of scary or risky type of behaviors. Many of these camps will take their campers on. Now, of course, you've got to be trained. You've got to make sure. You've got to be careful. Or they're not going to let you go. But we know, as Chazal tell us during the three weeks, which are almost ahead of us, the, the Zman of Bein is considered a time not to do even walking at certain times in the day. We are fastly approaching a time where Chazal are prescribing behaviors that are dangerous. The behaviors now, again, part of the summer camp experience is for the child to become initiated into new types of behavior, which activities, which pushing the envelope. Ramo, you know what I think? If the, if there was Chazal today, it probably repealed the three weeks and maybe the nine days because it's the Gzayosh Anatibriyach Alamakba. It's something which, it, for, for the masses, is intolerable. Well, especially because, of, especially because of the fact that this has become summertime and summer. Right, exactly. No, that's okay. Yeah. Yes. But, but not, again, if, if Chazal, and I, and I again, I'm, I'm using the term loosely, understood that this was a Zman of Peronius, and we have to be careful. It, the behaviors that happen at camps are not careful behaviors. There are, there are if we'd have to, we have to talk about the drowning incidents and such things that happen with pontoon boats and things that happen with, even if families that go on these helicopter excursions. But I think, like I see in Muncie, the Hasidic kids, they just, on the bicycles, They'll put them. So they, they they couldn't care less about the cars. They run it. They, they they just drive in the middle of the street and on their bicycles. They run the middle of the street. And they're playing games. They um You're the right. scooters, the scooters. So I think that there's some sort of thing in uh, in a in a from society where uh we talk about Hashem Tatra, right? Hashem on a massive scale. I mean, mostly the kids who drown. It's the the Hasidic kids who I don't really know how to swim, and they go into places where they shouldn't be swimming. Look, Chazal speak about in Shemir Pesayim Hashem a number of situations. But one of the things where it's a related idea is the people who are involved in an umnis, which is by definition dangerous. People who are bricklayers, people who are construction workers. And the Gemara says, they're not considered doing baliyaveira. Because somehow, since this, they're trained in it and this is their parnosa, and because they see this as their... Okay, love and no say it's not Right. I love Nasir This becomes their Chayim. And the and, and the Rabbi Shalom understands that there's going to have to be people who are, as you say, the firefighters, the Navy SEALs, the construction workers, the people who are be'etzim involved in dangerous behavior. And if they, that behavior wouldn't occur, then that job wouldn't exist and society wouldn't benefit. And therefore, Chazal say, well, that's not included. But if you are not a fireman and you are not a mountain scaler, then you aren't a construction worker. For you to say, well, I want to enjoy that experience. Let me go find it. Look, you know, there are people who will take this argument and apply it to driving on the Autobahn. 
or driving in uh, uh, on the expressway, right? Or places where we can see the statistics tell us the amount of danger. Once again, I love Nisias Nafshay. That becomes normal. You're saying that scooters, the Sidisha kids in their scooters, winding in and out of traffic, has also become the Derech HaNormal. I would say that it probably stems from a, a vacuum within them. The vacuum is, I need some excitement. I need something to, 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 to somehow give me that adrenaline rush. I think that's what it's about. You know, when, when you do these, let's even talk about amusement parks where there's so many safeguards. But the reason why we are drawn to, or people are drawn to these extremely fast roller coasters or tilt the wheels is because it, 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 it sort of titillates that instinct for something dangerous that I could perhaps do something and, and, and who knows, right? Even though, right? And of course there are, there, there are, there have been accidents that have happened in amusement parks as well, but those are a very, very tiny percentage. And probably, as you say, but why do you want to go onto that tilt to wheel? Why do you want your body to be racked and turned upside down? Again, there is that, there is that experience of feeling that adrenaline, yeah, that, that, that thrill. And I think that's yeah. part of what was in play about the five people who died. Maybe not the maybe not the head of the company, but the other four. Why do why do football players going to play football? They're going they're going to they're going to end up with uh, you know being uh, uh, mentally incapacitated. Or, or or people or skiers, right? We could we this question could right right. There's obviously healthier ways to get your body in shape than to do downhill skiing, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you've ever been to a ski lodge. If you go into the place where the coffee and the cocoa is, everybody is there with some sort of Band-Aid and some sort of right, on crutches or something, right? There's a, it's, 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 it's like a mash unit. And yes, with football, may, again, we've talked about, and of course, hockey, which is your sport. <laughs> the people who walk out of you know, the, 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 the various hockey players walk out also beaten and, 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 and wounded. None of them had a face that was right. free of puck marks. So this is an episode of some gay people. You know, again, it's perhaps, it's like Zohar says, maybe we need to have this brand in, in other people in order that we should have the same brand for Torah. <laughs> One second, hold on. So you're saying there's an elitist, there's an elitist way to make use of this. The elitist way is, in other words, Going into a sugya that it's like the uncharted territory of Chaninas Khan Koyanim or a uh, a a, a that every that it's Muznach is somehow like going to a patch in the Amazon that has never been discovered yet. Yeah. Well, again, I, I, you know, or let's say even what what we've been doing, learning your Shalmi and other things, and and and. and you know, trying to explore territory that has been that is somewhat virgin. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's the it, it, it's the, I would we talked about this the other week when we talked about Mushar. I see it more as a challenge that can be mentally dealt with, as opposed to uh, there's an adrenaline rush. I don't think there's an adrenaline. We're not scared. We we feel a sense of helplessness that maybe we won't be able to figure out the sugya, but we 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 generate within ourselves a, cur- a courage and a confidence that we can get it done. And, 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 and we, we talk to ourselves and we talk our way through it or with our chabrusa. 
I don't see that as going down uh, 12,000 feet into the sea. I don't see it as I don't see it as a parallel. That's not as dangerous. The question is the human spirit. I think an intellectual accomplishment for a person who is intellectual is akin to uh, uh, it, it should be akin at least to the um, to the to the the, the the endorphin could be the endorphin release is probably similar. A, a brain scientist would probably look at the brain of of a Ricky Vager who finished his marocha. And of Edmund Hillary, who was standing on the top of, uh, of, of the North Pole, and maybe the brain imagery would be very simple. Uh, I agree with you. But that doesn't necessarily mean that what was pushing it to reach that satisfaction was the same. I think that, especially today, and maybe this is the reason why virtual stuff won't work, the, the advancements in virtual reality are so, so strong that much of this could be achieved by strapping on a pair of goggles and, and 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 feeling that right i guess you need to suspend your disbelief i haven't done it before have you no but but you've heard about that do, yeah, do you, i don't think it's the same thing but i well, think it's the same thing you don't feel the the wind or the wet you know it's not the the heat the cold it, it's not the same thing it's a fancy television Look, 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 it's much more than that. We know that, uh, you know, it's the, the millions of dollars that are spent in, in, in allowing your, your eyes to feast upon those the most intricately drawn, uh, seascapes, landscapes. And people that have done virtual reality, you can see that, you know, it, it really does stuff for them. So I don't know. I, I think that that would be, uh, the yeshivas and the camps should invest in that. Going back, you know, you know, going back to your point about being mavato the three weeks, I again, I do believe that this is a shas peronius, and peronius means not taking risks. And I think what what makes more sense, and I've argued this in other platforms, is to change the school system where we don't have, and I think we've talked about it ourselves, where we don't have this two and a half month open spot where we are pressured by society uh, to run around and, 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 and take kids on all these various activities and herd them into these camps. I think that if we changed our whole school system where we would have sporadic vacations throughout the year of either 10 days or two weeks, they would be much more measured. Uh, there'd be much less boredom and um, people would, be, would learn more. How many kids have you taught this year at, at Beis Hillel that already were starting this, getting the summer yips as soon as was mid-May? Didn't you have many that were just counting the days till summer vacation? Right. Yeah, of course. Right? And so, but if summer vacation was eliminated and turned into six vacations throughout the year, and then you matriculate until the next grade, then this whole problem would be solved. We are tethered to an, a, a, a obs, an obsolete, really agrarian system that's based on the kids needed to come home and help with the harvest. None of that is true today. And as you say, it tramples on the three weeks, which I still believe. I don't think Chazal would mavato them. I think Chazal knew from history how difficult this period was. And, 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 and they, I trust them that they know and we'll have to look it up exactly, whether it's the nine days or the three weeks, that this is Beina Mitzorim. You see, who are Beina Mitzorim? 
I, I know we. I don't. You're not responding to me. Do you think it's uh, again? Do you no, think you know, Rabbi Yonasi tries me about those tish above. You know, that's it's not that's so simple. What you're saying. One second. Big mavatel the tonis or changing it to the tenth above is different than that means, that means he felt that Avelos was too heavy a burden. It's one thing. There's Avelos bepeil and there's complete hishtoilus and just being Avelos. Not hishtoilus. Okay, I'm talking about the the, the burden of uh, of uh, the Avelos of the three weeks, especially nowadays when people have so many people can't function without music, and many people are probably over, as we know. Okay, so, now, now, so now we, there are tremendous, as Rashlam Zalman already writes, and Halicha Shlomo, people in his net, that it has to be music that is music that, that gets you to want to dance. But he says, Chazonis and classical music, it's, very, it's probably not Nichlo Bechlal. And then you get into, of course, recorded music being a lot more, uh, less strict than live music. So let's talk about what was the most dangerous thing summer or other sort of experience that you've been pushed into or gone on that you were that you were quaking in your boots i'm not sure i don't know i'm not sure i can define that for you what the most dangerous thing i ever did was because i'm not a person who i'm a coward so i don't actually do these things very much um my my, uh, <laughs> my mother always used to make fun of me that once our car broke down in washington heights and i refused to get out of the car I was little. I was a kid, a teenager, but uh, you know, because I was afraid. afraid of the urban denizens. One thing I did without telling my parents is I went. It was this Cholamoid Simchas Beis in some new Hitiashrut somewhere in the Shomron. I don't remember which one. And uh, you know, even back then, it was considered to be some. I, my parents would not have let me go if they had known about it. So uh, I just went. I just didn't tell them. So. Uh, so you yeah, went to a you went to a uh, a Simchas Pesach Shaweva, um right. a party on Sukkot without telling your parents. Yeah, and, it was in the it was in the Shtachim. It was in the you know it was in it was in the Shamron. Uh huh. So what was scary was you were afraid that perhaps you'd be attacked by Arab yeah. terrorists. Right. Once, once yes. Once when I was walking to the Kaisal, two times I'm walking to the Kaisal was attacked. For, for once, just guy a guy just showed me a knife and said, you know, I can kill you. It didn't actually kill me, obviously. Did you go to Tashchem? Where'd you go? No, Tashchem? no, I was going to the, the, to the long way. I was in the Armenian quarter at the time because I was going around. And another time I was going through Tashchem. The last time I went through Tashchem from the mirror, so they, a bunch of Arab kids threw boxes at me, like cart, 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 box, cookie cartons, made out of metal, cookie containers. So, um, that's the last time I went through Tashchem. So the, uh, so I, these are, I guess these were scary events. Yeah, going, uh, yeah, it's going the shape, but yeah. Um, I, but again, those were events that you weren't looking. You were just trying to get to the coastal to Davin or whatever it was, and right. you were surprised by by that. But pushed your but pushing yourself into a situation of fear that that's that's something different. I would say I was either eight or nine. I think I was nine. My parents were visiting Hot Springs National Park. Um, and it's, you know, Ramosha was in Hot Springs, by the way. There was a picture of Ramosha when he came to use the Hot Springs baths. And I was in that show. Was the one the same one FDR used? Is he not going to use FDR was in Warm Springs in Georgia. Oh, Warm oh, Springs in Georgia. Hot Springs is, is, Ramosha went to the Hot Springs to the, to the, to the, the Hazer, Hazer, the Hazer. Anyway, and my mother went for baths. Anyway, but it wasn't, and, and, and we stayed in a, 
We actually stayed in a uh, in cottages that Ravnota Greenblatt had discovered on one of his trips there. And he was Miai, it's all, we were so close with him. He was Miai, it's us to, to go and, and rent these cottages at that certain place. Anyway, on our trip to in, in, to the national park, because there's a national park, there is also a, um, uh, I decided on my own that I was going to take the hike up to some sort of scenic site. And I went on my own, you know, without any uh, accompaniment. And it was a, uh, you know, I, again, I, it might be that I was, I wasn't trying, but I remember I was in the, in the national park there in the woods for about three hours. Um, the police were looking for me, <laughs> you know, I had been lost there. I ended up somehow on some state highway that uh, abetted the, the one of the uh, you know hills of the of the state park and i i waved down uh, a car uh, i went into the streets i waved down a car um and it was was i think it was a, either a park ranger or someone and they took me to the visitor center where of course my parents were but i can tell you that i when i, I still remember when i was through there am i where am i going to get out of here like what's going to happen I would say that was one, and I would say the one thing that matched that, which was even worse, because I was really enjoying myself, to tell you the truth. Because when I was lost, I was saying, you know, I'm, I'm discovering, you know, and who knows, who knows what I'm going to discover here. So I guess I sort of felt that explorer's uh, feeling. But, you know, after a while, when there was no path, and I just had to sort of like, you know, push, cut my way through the brush and and, and not get you know, stung by the various insects that were there. Um, I guess it started to get a little scary. The second part was, I think, my ag- agreeing to do something I wasn't good at. For five years, I took piano. I think, I don't know if you know this. For five years, I took uh, piano lessons, as was all the, all the Froom kids in our neighborhood had to take piano lessons. I did accordion. <laughs> it suits you definitely. Um, <laughs> the German fellows. Yes, yes. I, I didn't say it. Anyway, the point is, is that um, I, I was, I, I, I went every week. I can tell you, I did not study. I would wait for my turn, and there was a, there was almost this savant-like girl who married Rob Fischel Mail, who was um, Elaine Riesenberg. You know where official mail is, right? Yeah, I know from there. I saw it. I also taught his grandchildren in uh, in YBH. So official mail wrote a beautiful sefer on the Asera Sashua, on the Yud Beishvat, and other big Yisraelis. Yeah. So official's wife was a brilliant pianist. And I would be, my uh, slot to play the piano was after hers. And I would listen to her in plots because I could never do that. I could never do that. And when I would just try, I would get my my my, my scales and, and and flats and sharps wrong, and I was having a problem reading it. And of course, the piano teacher kept on telling me, you have to practice, you have to practice and keep on practicing. And if you practice, you'll do very, very well. But I didn't practice. I had television at home. I had other things to do. I had books to read. Our piano teacher, every year, would rent out one of these small concert halls and have all of us all her students proudly play the recital. I can tell you, I was supposed to play um, The Impossible Dream, which is one of my favorite songs. And I love the song. 
but I was supposed to, and I can still play it a little bit on the piano. When I was in that room at the age of eight, I would say, when I was in that room waiting to go on stage, I was the most nervous I think I've ever been in my life. The this, Because I knew I wasn't good at it. I knew that I would not be able to play properly. I ran over to the piano to my teacher and I said, can we change it? Change it to something I can play better. Let's change it to somewhere over the rainbow because I think I can do that better. And they had to make an announcement that uh, that Avi Kivalevich is going to play somewhere, not going to play, he's, going not, he's not going to play the impossible dream, but somewhere over the rainbow. And I barely got through it. I made a number of mistakes. They all applauded, I guess, because they needed to, because, you know, here was this, you know, this eight-year-old redheaded, freckled-faced kid trying his best. But I would say in that recital hall, waiting to go out, doing, uh, to perform in some way that I knew I was incompetent and not ready for, that was probably the time I had the greatest fear in my life. When I was in the Tiv Meir, they always do, you know, they, they do a Tioshnati. And they took us for the Tioshnati to Vadi Kelt. And there I was, and this has happened a couple of times. And I, for some reason, Israeli youth do these daredevil activities as groups. I was clinging to the side of a cliff. You take one false move, you break your leg, you might crush your skull. And that was, it wasn't something where I went and did it myself. That's what I didn't mention before. But it's an organized activity. I, it's crazy. They talk about Israeli Tulim, it's well known that, uh, that and they, the, the, the Haredim do it every year. Some one or two kids are killed, and the, the religious Zionists do it. And uh, right. so I, I think this just is really adds to my original argument. These should be eliminated. By the way, yeah, there's a cottage industry in Lakewood run by Chsidu Shechevra of renting out ATVs. And an ATV is not exactly a safe. No, it's not safe, right? Right. And, and, and they pack their chevra in it and they go out for hours, like really like, like the Transformers, right? You know, going out and, and, and like in the monster trucks, driving around. And I think part of it is really the fact that so much of the, the Velt is closed off to the Chsidisha Velt and the Frum Velt that these options are almost considered we must allow that because otherwise the kids, because they, they, can't, they can't do these other things, we've got to give them this. Right. And again, we're talking... I, I, I also did that in Israel, went on the Tractoronium, they're called in Israel, which is a fascinating name, little tractors. So, uh, it, 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 you know you're really safe. I mean, it is, you know, uh, it's a bit crazy, but you know you're really safe. So I don't know if that's really counts as... But the ATVs, yes, you're right. That's different than the Tractoronium, yeah. Right. And, and I and, and once again, this tapping into this urge, I think it needs to be sublimated. And I think it can be, especially with modern technology and the risk takers. We I think we need to be careful. Look, we take a risk every single time we talk here because we we we, we talk without a net. We don't have any script. We don't know. Riska Darisa. Riska Darisa. Oh, Riska Darisa. Very good. The risks. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, as it is, but as boys and girls, please understand that we are here taking this risk, exposing ourselves, uh, allowing you to see our insides and outsides, well, at least our stories. So please think about supporting our program. Think about donating in order to keep the program going. We are trying our best 
that the program should be sharp and, and solidly edited. Think about supporting us. Tell your friends about us. And if you want to really uh, support us, give us a great review. There's ways you can support us. We are a 501c3 tax-deductible institution. And keep that fire, keep that risk of fire going. Take care, everybody. We'll catch you next week. Be well. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 